0: Welcome to Transcendent. I'm Raya, and I'm the daughter. And I'm Joe, and I'm the dad.
1: So, Radical Acceptance. That's uh,
0: quite a title. It is a lot of people i don't think uh if you if you have never lived an lgbtq life yourself if you've never been in the shoes of somebody who has been discriminated in the ways that our community is you may not fully appreciate how important it is for us how much we long for and yearn for that radical acceptance we're going to be talking about some difficult things here today and I should say we've got some content warning for those of you that are part of the LGBTQ community. We're going to be talking about some stories of radical non-acceptance. A story, I guess. Well, no, too. Because I don't think, if you're not aware of these, you don't necessarily realize how difficult things can be, but people in our community are very aware of it. And so... Please do be aware that there's some sensitive stories that we have here. We're going to start by telling you a story that we heard. And we heard it
1: from two different angles. The first was, uh, and both of these stories were presented by a person by the name of Bishop Burnside. And this is somebody from the Lutheran ELCA church, Which which happens to be... Uh, very accepting to the, the LGBTQ
0: community. Very accepting. You just came across this this week. That's correct. And uh, one of the things that I've really appreciated about the the ELCA is uh, just this last year, was it a year or a year and a half ago? But recently, uh, one of the local bishops here or one of the head had honchos, I don't know, uh, is a transgender man. Actually, it's a... It's a um Assistant Bishop, Assistant Bishop, and so that that, to me that was very exciting, and uh, I spoke with your pastor a little bit when that happened because he wanted to find out a little bit more, and and that was a really uh, that was a good conversation we had. A lot of, incidentally, he happens
1: to be one of our regular listeners.
0: Oh well, wonderful.
1: So the first part of this story was uh, Bishop Burnside relaying the story from the Bible that many of you know, you've heard it many times, and many of you may be hearing this for the first time. So it's worth it for us to address the story again. And it is the
0: story of the... The prodigal son. It's In some ways, it's maybe the, one of the key stories in the Bible. And the, the story is that a man had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, "Uh, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. I want to go out. I'm going to go make my own way and I'm going to go live. And Bishop Bernstein uh, uh, talks about how he was basically saying to the father, you know, I I wish that you were dead. I just want to go live my own life. I want to live as as if you no longer exist to me. I'm not interested
1: in taking over the farm here.
0: Forget it. I want to go out and party till I puke. And of course, then the father uh, said, okay, well, here you go, and honored his request. And uh, the boy went out, and Bishop Bernstein talks about how he, you know, what, what was it? And in every culture, we have different things, whether it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or whatever lifestyle he lived. And actually, he brings up the point that it doesn't even matter so much what he did, but he squandered it all, and he came on really hard times, and all of a sudden he found himself working for someone, uh, uh, tending pigs, which, of course, in in first-century Jewish society, very, very unclean. Just a, the grossest of the gross jobs. You could think of it as, you know, somebody, somebody kind of uh, like cleaning out septic tanks. Yeah, <laughs> the grossest of the gross. Yeah. And and he thought, ah, oh, man, I wish, I'm so hungry. I wish I could even eat the slop that I'm feeding to these pigs. Yes. But no one gave him anything. And finally he came to himself and he thought, you know, my father has servants. I may have screwed up everything that I've done, but if I go home and I apologize... And I say, I'm, you know, I I'm really, really sorry. Don't even treat me as a son, please. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. Just give me a job. Just let me have a job because this is miserable how I am here. And let me sleep in the barn. I and and I, you know, I've sinned against God and against you, and I've really screwed up. Please forgive me and let me do something. I'm gonna be better off than I am here. Uh,
1: yeah, anything was better than sleeping with the pigs and eating the slop.
0: And, and so he, he came home and the story goes that the father saw him while he was still a long ways off. He looked out the window and he was overjoyed and he ran out. He didn't just walk out with his, his dignity intact. No, he abandoned everything and went running out because he was overjoyed for the return of his son. And his son came back and he said, father, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against God and against you. And his father said, "I uh, we're so glad to have you back." And threw a big party in. He I, said, "Boy, these clothes you're wearing are terrible. Let's put some new clothes on you and let's yes. and let's bring put a ring on your finger. Let's let's make everything good for you and let's let's throw a big party and get everyone together. Why? Because My son was dead and is now alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Now, just imagine, just imagine
1: how that person would have felt. Actually, how both of them would have felt. How the dad felt that he thought the son was truly lost. That was the end of it. He didn't realize he'd ever see him again. And when he came back, it was such a joy Anything he could do to say that, man, this uh, it just fulfills all of my dreams. You're back. This is wonderful. And imagine the son coming back, expecting his father's probably gonna say, "Well, yeah, you finally made it back again. Yeah, you want to work here? Okay, fine. You will I tell you what, I'll let you take care of the cows." The son must have been shocked at what the kind of reception he had. It was unbelievable. It would be a little bit like you're LGBTQ and you've got thrown out of the house. Don't ever come back here again. I don't ever want to see you. Instead, you're getting this reaction that it said, I don't want to, you'd call home. No, I don't want to talk to him or her. Uh, and and whatever it happens to be. But then suddenly you walk in the door and you get this reception. Wouldn't you be shocked? Mm. Wouldn't you be amazed? Wouldn't you
0: be just so surprised and so happy? And the story is, it, it ends with the punchline that the older brother says, I never left. I never went. This is not fair. He was not, the older brother didn't share in the father's joy hey you never threw me a party why didn't i i for years i served you and i did all this stuff and of course that's the punchline of the story is the father said "We, we had to have a party because your brother was gone and now we've got him back and the story doesn't really end with a resolution because really the idea is that the story ends with you saying well well how did it end and you're supposed to recognize well who are you in the story? And are you the brother that's sitting outside, refusing to come in, indignant that you've done everything right? And how dare they have a party when really you should be coming in, you're telling yourself the wrong story? Or
1: are you the person in the story that's the wayward person that's saying, I've changed my ways. I'm, I'm different. I realize I made a mistake. Or are you the father who sees it from a completely... Everybody sees it from a different perspective. But there it is. It's quite quite an interesting story. And now you have to put yourself in somebody's place. You always do that when you read a story or you hear a story. You You say, who am I in this story? Well, sometimes, in my personal opinion... I don't see myself as a father. I don't see myself as a son that's been loyal. I don't see myself as the prodigal son. I see myself as all three. In some ways, I'm a
0: little bit of each one of them. And we see through, through that, you can experience radical acceptance in every one of those roles. Yes. Where you need to be extending radical acceptance as the older brother needed to be. Or you are overjoyed and can't help but extend radical acceptance as the father did in the story. Or you receive the radical acceptance. When you think about that word radical, I looked it up to see what it means. Far-reaching or thorough and relating to the fundamental nature of something. So we're talking about the fundamental nature of acceptance. We're talking about... um, Forgiveness. What does it mean to... To have acceptance in a way that goes above and beyond, that goes to the, to the limits of acceptance. The bishop now, contrasted this with a story that had happened to him, and it was heartbreaking. He tells the story, and we're going
1: to relate the story as we heard it from the proverbial horse's mouth.
0: He visited one of his congregants, or I don't know if it was a congregant, but somebody a, a, a father that was dying. He was in the father's
1: house, and while well, he was there, and he was visiting the father, the the uh, the gay son had been gone for years. He had the gay son had
0: been thrown out of the house. He had gone on to become actually have a, a successful rock and roll career. Yes, and um, and the the family once he came out. The family had refused to even speak about him. Yes, that, exactly. He wasn't. He wouldn't
1: be part of the conversation, not to be talked about, not to not to be uh, encouraged to come back. If calls were made, which there weren't many or any, as far as I know, they wouldn't have been accepted anyway. But what happened? The father was dying. He had. A terminal illness. I don't know what that was, but he was in his bed with hospice there. It was the end of his time. And at the same time, the son who had gone out had gotten gotten AIDS. Had gotten AIDS. And he was dying as well. Mm. So he came back. He came to the house because he'd heard that his father was
0: dying in,
1: in a hospice.
0: Hospice means per, pretty much we're at the close to the end. A and hospice he, is not covered. I know this as a, from my job. A hospice is not covered unless the doctor certifies that yes, you're terminal. Yeah, you have no chance of coming back. Uh huh. So the so the so the son came back,
1: back to the house, walked in the door, didn't knock, didn't ring the bell. Walked in the door because he knew the father could not answer the door. He, he was bedridden. So he walked in the door, walked through the kitchen, and into the living room
0: where there was a bed. And, and, and the bishop is relating the story. This is not something he heard. He was right there.
1: Witnessing it. In
0: the moment. Right there, ministering to this guy as he laid on his deathbed. Yes. And he thought, this is the time for reconciliation. And the son thought, this is the time for reconciliation. We may have had our differences, but that's because we didn't know that we were at the end. We didn't have any more time. But I'm at the end right now, and you're at the end, Dad. It's time that we reconcile. Now, he hadn't said any of this. He just walked in. Walked
1: in and sat down in the chair right next to the bed where the dying father lay. The dying father looked at him.
0: He said, what are you doing here? Yeah. And the son said, well, I need you to know. I heard that you're dying. I need you to know that I am dying also. And we have that in common. And I wanted to
1: have us have
0: this moment together.
1: Yes, I wanted to reconcile with you.
0: And the father turned to him and said,
1: You're no son of mine.
0: If you've you've never lived or experienced the LGBTQ uh, life, if if you've never stood in our shoes, you may not be aware of those kinds of stories, but I can assure you, that in my community, we hear these stories over and over and over again. And that's tough
1: to hear. You're no son of mine. And he said it again. And, and the son said, but, but Dad, we're alike. We're both dying. And all he said was, you're no son of mine. Get out. Imagine, imagine feeling like that. And imagine the difference between the story of the prodigal son and how he was received and the story of the son who came back, who had been thrown out, and there was no reconciliation at any point. They both died brokenhearted.
0: Imagine the kind of life that somebody who is gay or lesbian goes through. And it can be difficult if you've lived your entire life uh, as a straight person, a straight cisgender person, and it, everything in society is tailored towards you. Um, all of the stories, every movie, every uh, st- every fairy tale, everything, all of the advice, it's all geared towards straight relationships. There was a video that was floating around on YouTube, oh, I don't know, about a decade ago. And it, it went viral for a little bit of time. And it was, imagine a world in which you only had same-sex couples and you have to navigate this as a straight person. And so they show the story of a girl who is being raised by Uh, Her two mothers and then the two fathers live next door and they're all raising their kids. They don't really address how can they all have kids. They just assume they somehow make it work or I don't know how they do it. But she is a straight girl living in a society that's not straight. And she starts to develop a crush on a boy at school. And everyone tells her, you better not say anything. Don't let that be out because everybody is going to mock you and criticize you. And couldn't you just find some girl? Couldn't you just make this work? Couldn't you just pretend that you're not into this boy? And she said, I can't. I don't know how. And it ends up that the the story ends with her just being completely broken down. And unless you thought through what it's like to be like that, I, I, I know for myself, I, a few years ago, read through um, a, an LGBTQ fairy tale, and it was about the princess falling in love with the other princess. And I got to the end, and I, I thought, oh, is this what fairy tales are like for, for, for straight people? Where you think, oh, and, and you, it all kind of falls together and you think, oh, I, I get that story. For many of us, we hear those fairy tales or we watch those movies and it seems like I, I can't connect it. There's no there's no electricity there. There's no magic. I can understand how they might have an attraction, good for you, but I don't resonate in any way. But all of a sudden I heard a story that I resonated with and I thought, oh, Is this why people like fairy tales? I've never gotten to experience a fairy tale the way that straight people have gotten to experience fairy tales until that moment. I don't know where you are right now in your relationships.
1: I don't know where you are in a relationship with your mother or your dad or one of your family members. I don't know where you are if you are one of these family members and you have an LGBT a uh, child, but wherever you are, you don't know if today or tomorrow is the end, and n- you don't want to leave both of you unbroken. It's critical to make amends to start anew. To build the relationship, to, to bring it back to what it is. We are talking about real people trying to create lasting relationships with real people. It's not, it's not what you do for you not caring about the other person. It is. It's your flesh and blood, your blood. It, it's, it is your blood relationship. You have the responsibility and the rewards for reconciling, for, for being a part of that relationship. Tomorrow may be your last day. And for some of you, it will be. We have a lot of listeners out there some of you won't be here at Christmas time. Some of you won't be here for the 4th of July together. Do it now. It means everything. You think building up a big checking account means something? You think being going out and spreading bad things about the other person in that relationship means something? It's going to get you somewhere? Nothing is going to get you as close to being where you ought to be than being together in a sincere,
0: loving relationship. Do it today. One of my favorite metaphors or images or pictures in the Bible, since we're talking about this story, it reminds me uh, that it talks about Uh, humans being made in the image of God, that there's a magic to us as human beings that goes beyond anything else. And whether you are a believer in God or not a believer in God, you understand the magic, you understand the meaning of that, that when we talk about being made in the image of God, it means that there's more to a human being than just a bunch of facts or a a, a physical object. There is a magic to another human being. And when you throw that away with non-acceptance, what you're saying is, I don't care who you are. I don't care about the magic that is in you, the breath of life that's in you, and all of the... Fun things of who you are and the the jokes that you make and the ways that we interact with one another. I don't care about any of that, and I'm throwing it all away. And that should break your heart. That's and why we practice. also,
1: not just your heart, but the person on the other side. Mm. Let's try to be on the same side. So with that... We're going to be on the same side again next week.
0: Yes, we are. We've got a lot of very exciting things coming up. Uh we are um we, we'll talk to you about that next week, but be ready. We got some uh, really great stuff coming up.
1: Thanks again. Tune in again next Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. It costs you nothing. When you click subscribe, you help us and more people will uh be uh exposed to what we are doing here. So Subscribe and encourage a friend to subscribe.